Hey, hey, and welcome to the podcast. I know it's been a second since I've done a little intro here on the podcast the last couple of weeks, so I was going to share with you why things have been pretty topsy-turvy, lots of good things happening, not bad things um, generally, so appreciative of the topsy-turvy but just not giving me a lot of extra time at the moment so the biggest announcement that I have is that I accepted a position with my favorite probiotic company microbiome labs as their new BiomeFX, which is their stool test as the new representative for the southeastern region so This is a big shift and change for me after working for myself the last 15 years, but this was an opportunity I could not pass up. First of all, as I mentioned, their probiotic is my favorite because it was the game changer for me after my surgeries and losing half of my colon and uh, eight inches of small intestine. You know, all the other things I was doing to support healing my gut were helpful, but it wasn't until I brought in Megasporbiotic that everything changed. Um, I basically got back to having normal bowel movements for the first time in probably over a year at that point, maybe a year and a half. And it was tremendous because as you can imagine, once you've gone through a trauma like I did with losing half of my colon because of a surgery that went wrong, um, you just don't know if you're going to have a normal digestive system at ever again in your life. And I had really good digestion before everything went down. So it was definitely, um, you know, scary at different points and it was tough to deal with. And so when I started taking the Exporbiotic, it was pretty quickly that I noticed a change. And so I'm so grateful to this company um, because they essentially created something that wasn't yet on the market and that's spore-based probiotics. And now they have taken it to the next level with their stool test. You know, I utilize stool tests in my practice over the last five years in order to see what's actually going on in my client's guts because you can't really move forward in trying to work on gut health without actually knowing the starting point, right? That's why tests are so helpful. And BiomeFX is, I can say with all honesty, the best test on the market. It has whole genome sequencing, which basically very few other stool tests do. And so we get a major coverage and whole picture of what's going on in the microbiome rather than just bits and pieces. So I'm super excited to be able to essentially teach practitioners, doctors, um, you know, uh, chiropractors, acupuncturists, all kinds of practitioners of any sort in the functional world about how to utilize this test. But what does that mean for my own business? Well, basically I will continue to um, offer programs and that is very important to me. Um, And that's something that I've been building up the past couple of years and will continue to build up in 2024 alongside my partners, Marika and Vashtai. Um, So we definitely have even more coming on the horizon, but Perimenopause like a boss is definitely happening again at the beginning of 2024. It's actually going to start in um, early February. So I'll share more info about that soon. 
Um, I will not be doing one-on-ones anymore. Some of my long-term clients are still going to be, you know, with me, but um, basically no more one-on-ones. Unfortunately, I do not have time to do that. So if you are looking for one-on-one support, reach out. I can definitely refer you to some of my great colleagues, including Marika and Vashai. And um, the podcast is going to take a little break. So we are going to have episodes until basically the end of 2023. And then we're going to go on a little hiatus um, for the first couple of months of 2024. So I did want to go ahead and let you know that ahead of time. It does take a lot of time to put together um, the podcast, to do the interviews, to get everything edited, to get it, you know, up and running on all the platforms. And so I unfortunately just don't have that time. Um, right now in the beginning of the year. So it's not going to be gone for good. I'm still going to do the podcast. I'm just going to have to figure out how it's going to work. It probably won't end up being weekly as it's been. So I just wanted to go ahead and let you know that so that you are ready. Um, and basically, you're going to have time to go back and binge a lot of the episodes that you may have missed. I mean, we have almost five years of episodes. And um, like I said, we're not going to finish and just be done. There will be some iteration that you're going to have to give me a little bit of time to figure out what that's going to look like. So um, hopefully the podcast has been so helpful for you over the past few years and that, you know, it will continue to reach you and others. I mean, honestly, one of the best ways to help us do that is to leave a review. We don't really, you know, continue to grow our reach without reviews and that's such a big part of it so if you have a time moment like wherever you are on Spotify or iTunes or any other platform give us five stars write something if you can in that platform um, and just let people know because like I said there's a wealth of information from the last few years with all the incredible guests that I've had Um, okay that's probably it for now. I would say the best way to keep up with all the changes that are going to be happening is to get on my newsletter. That's going to be the most up-to-date with everything. So if you go to my website, christinegarvin.com, you can sign up for my newsletter there. Um, You'll get a free masterclass when you sign up. So that's a great place to start. And then also we'll be offering a new free gift starting in 2024. Um, So even if you're already on the newsletter list, you'll get that free gift in 2024 too. So I appreciate you being here. You know, if you're brand new, if you've been here the whole ride with me, I so appreciate it. And I'm so excited for this next step in my life. And um, hopefully I will run into some of you. I know some practitioners listen to this podcast. So if you are in the Southeast, um, so that's North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Florida, um, couple other states that I will be overseeing, reach out, send me an email um, if you're interested in learning more about BiomFX. All right, on that note, let's go ahead and dive into today's episode. Hey there, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I'm your host, Christine Garvin, a functional health coach. Each week, I speak with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, health, and well-being and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now let's dive in with today's guest. 
Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Hormonally Speaking. I'm so pumped and excited to have my good friend Vashai Connell Haley on this week, and we are talking about her brand new book. And I just have to say, before we get into actually talking about her process and experience and everything that she's been through that I've watched her write this book and she's really put her heart and her soul into it. And she's done such an incredible job. We were just talking right beforehand. Uh, I can't believe that she did this in 10 months. It's just insane to me because it's not just about health and her health experience and how she got into doing the work that she's doing now, but also, you know, this really, um, impactful reality of her life of living all these different places in the world and the experience that have really made her and made her family too. And so it's, it's, it's deep and powerful and I think is better than maybe just the average, a, the average biography, right. But also the average, Oh, this is a health book to get you through chronic illness kind of a thing. And we've got some stories in there. She really weaves her life together in a way that is inspirational and is going to help any of you that are experiencing chronic, chronic illness issues, um, or just any, you know, you've been dealing with your hormones for a long time and it's been really tough. So again, today's guest is Vashti Haley, and she's an author and functional medicine practitioner. She exudes a profound passion for exploring diverse cultures and embracing immersive experiences. Her personal triumph over Lyme disease and complex chronic illness fuels her determination to empower others on their healing journeys. Having lived in Baghdad, Beirut, Phnom Penh, Lagos, and Curacao, Vashai's experiences have shaped her holistic approach to health and wellness. Now residing in Virginia with her family and African village dog, Owen, Vashai's practice is dedicated to seeking the root causes of disease. With a keen eye for detail and a compassionate heart, she delves deep into patients' health histories, lifestyles, and environmental factors to uncover the underlying triggers of their ailments. Through her writings and clinical ex- expertise, Vashai inspires others to embrace the world's beauty, travel freely, and embark on a transformational path to vibrant health. Welcome. Thank you, Christine. It's always so good to be on here with you. Oh, I love it. I'm so excited to be talking about the book with you today. Oh my God. It's so amazing just to have all these stories on paper now, right? And for um, everybody who's reading it to go through these experiences with you, right? So right. I kind of want to start from the beginning and, you know, maybe have you sort of delve into how you even got into traveling and living all these different places in the world. Sure, absolutely. In 2008, I married my husband, Craig, and he uh, is in the Foreign Service, which are, is our diplomatic corps in the United States. And um, when I we got married, you know, it was like, where are we going to go next? We didn't know, but I knew it was going to change my life. I just couldn't see then it, just how much it would change my mm-hmm. life. And really, I found myself on this journey that I never, ever foresaw myself living, you know, growing up. And so we in 2009, we uh, went to my first post. His He'd been multiple posts before that. And um, we went to Baghdad, Iraq during the war. Um, and I was able to Crazy. accompany him there because we didn't have children at that time mm-hmm. and they needed more people to do, you know, a variety of jobs there. And so I applied for and, and got a job at the, the U S embassy there with him and 
and off we went. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I remember reading, you know, the the Baghdad portion of the book mm-hmm. and just being flabbergasted by that life experience. Yeah. Right. And just like how you had to live very contained because yes, obviously, obviously it was such a threat, you know, as an American to be there. I mean, mm-hmm. as anybody to be there, but as an American to be there. Mm-hmm. So what was that like going into living sort of in this small little radius, essentially? It was like nothing I had ever experienced before. You know, I mean, college, you kind of like live in a small radius mm-hmm. too, but then so kind of take that and put a bunch of adults living, mm-hmm. you know, in a 11 acre compound, mm-hmm. I think it is. And mm-hmm. Um, you know, there we are living and working every day. And um, it has all of the human aspects that you would find when any group of people are mm-hmm. that close together all the time. Mm-hmm. But then you add in that sort of danger element to it. Mm-hmm. And it heightens all of that, yeah. you know, so it was just like jumping into an experience, I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I remember I was on this Blackhawk helicopter. And I'm like, what did I sign up for? <laughs> you know, there's like yeah. a gunner at the door. Yeah. You know, we're flying over Iraq doing these evasive maneuvers. And and it was just like this, not what I thought small town girl, you know, was going to end up doing. Yes. Yeah. And so there we were. And, you know, it was also the, the beginning of probably, I was already set up for chronic illness, but, you yeah. know, it was a very stressful environment. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. And not great food options. I mean, obviously we're in a war zone and I'm not complaining about that at all. You you, mm-hmm. you get what you get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, just there's just that heightened stress and, and always living in a fight or flight, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a theme in the book that a lot of my life has been lived in fight or flight mode. And mm-hmm. I just didn't realize it at the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it was, it was great because all of those aspects aside, I made great friends. Um, mm. Some that I still, you know, I just saw last week, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's just, it's so that part was really fabulous. Like that beginning of creating a community that's global. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Did you notice any shifts in your health when you were there? Or is it something that just kind of, you notice more over time? Absolutely. I mean, I mm-hmm. knew I wasn't sleeping well. Mm-hmm. Um, you readers will see that where I'm talking about like, oh my goodness, I'm sleeping. I didn't realize I wasn't sleeping. Mm. Um, and then my, I got quite ill there um, over our 4th of July weekend with food poisoning and definitely saw a shift in my, my gut health after mm. that, mm-hmm. um, you know? And so I didn't, but I wasn't really paying attention. Right. Right. How old were you? Were you in your 20s at that point or 30s? I was in my early 30s. So mm-hmm. I think I must have been about 33 at that point, mm-hmm. 32, 33. And I was just, you know, living a very yeah. exciting life. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely pushed through. I mean, you're working seven days a week, um, 365, you know, it's all the time. Yeah. And we got some great vacations out of there, but still it was, it was a real, a real ding to my health without even realizing it. Yeah. Yeah. So then where did you go after Baghdad? So after Baghdad, we got posted to Beirut, Lebanon, Mm -hmm. um, and we moved there in 2010. Mm -hmm. So Baghdad had been one year tour because it was a war zone. And then we moved to, to Beirut and that was a totally different thing. Still very small and, and, uh, security risks were, were high there. So we, um, had to live in a, a certain way. 
Mm -hmm. um, but again, lots of people on a compound um, with all those human elements that go with that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and then really lifelong friends there as well. Um, but that's where I was really living the sort of rock star lifestyle. Um, it was insane. Again, mid thirties, just living it up. You know, um, it was, it was amazing, a beautiful country, lovely people. I loved the food there. You know, it was just all that fresh Mediterranean diet. Mm. So that was, that was amazing. So you got like more options when you live there than so Baghdad. Many more options. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, in Baghdad, we couldn't shop outside. Right. Um, right. You know, there were not any grocery stores that we could go to. So everything came through convoys there mm -hmm. and through the military convoys. And mm -hmm. it just depended on what they could get through, what we were right. getting past the insurgents. So right. um, that was different. Beirut had all of the delicious food, all mm -hmm. the fresh food. Um, you know, I could eat Lebanese food every day for nice. the rest of my life and be totally happy. Um, but that's where we decided to have to start trying to have um, mm, a family they, yeah and that's when we realized that, that, that there were some issues with my health and that's like that first indication that you know um everything wasn't going to be as easy as we had thought it would be right and was there good medical support there or Absolutely. Were we kind of okay yeah. yes it was great medical support um and I, I, I was so thrilled that with my uh, reproductive endocrinologist that I ended up seeing there. And I, I, I credit him with really helping me be able to uh, have babies. I don't want to give too many, much of the story away. Right. But, um, you know, that was really and very impressive medical. And was that an American endocrinologist or was it a Lebanese endocrinologist? He was a Lebanese endocrinologist, mm -hmm. um, but he was a... Um, as many uh, Lebanese have studied in the United States, I believe he had gone to Harvard or MIT and then, mm. you know, the university, of, uh, it was the American University of Beirut Medical Center. So gotcha. okay. ties to the U.S. anyway. And um, it was, you know, I, I ended up having some serious health complications there. Um, and both he and my neurologist were amazing. And she Do you feel like he gone to Columbia or something. Yeah, gotcha. I can't remember, but, you know, both of them were american trained docs do you do you feel like you almost got better support there than you would have in the u.s oh absolutely mm. um i had had some a previous miscarriage and it was you know having friends and other people that in my life who've had pr like multiple miscarriages in the u.s they don't really do testing on you those like kind of sorry until you get to x point of like right you know miscarriages yeah and he was like no we're gonna do these tests now mm. and so we were able to really dial in on some of those health issues and create a plan um, that ultimately helped us be able to have kids i feel like i've heard that um at different points from different people that you can almost get better medical coverage even if it's american connected medical coverage yeah. when you're abroad than you can right. here you know and so it is interesting to think about obviously your body had to go through a lot being in these, you know, kind of um, intense situations, but at the mm -hmm. same time, you also had maybe some better access to healthcare than, yes. than you would have here. So true. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I would have loved to have my baby there. Like I would have mm. felt completely at ease uh, mm -hmm. giving birth in, in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. it, it just wasn't uh, what I could do at the time. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, you know, but I just, I do think that cause I've had one child overseas and one in the U S and they were vastly different, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. experiences. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah. when did you start to learn that there was some chronic illness issues at play? Um, that was a ways down. So mm-hmm. like after Beirut, we moved to Cambodia, which, um, is where I got bit by an unknown insect that really mm. changed the trajectory of my mm. life. And it was after that and having um, given birth in Bangkok and I just wasn't giving, getting better. I was feeling terrible. And I was like, this isn't normal, even new mom stuff. Like yeah. there's something wrong. And we went back. Our next assignment was in the United States after uh, Cambodia. And I, I, you know, I'm a voracious uh, researcher of things. And so I was like, what is happening to me? And nobody yeah. could really figure it out. Like even, you know, in at my doctors in, in um, Bangkok and in Cambodia, it was just very, nobody was like really able to put their finger on what was going on with me. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking like, this really sounds like Lyme disease. Mm. Um, and I need to find somebody yeah. that can help me here. Yeah. And so I ended up locating a doctor in the Seattle area, which is where my family is from. And, um, she really helped me. She tested for, for, you know, Lyme reactivated EBV, my adrenal health, my thyroid health, the whole thing. We Mm -hmm. were like going down that road and it came back that, yeah, I had Lyme disease and I had reactivated mono, um, or EBV. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my thyroid was a mess. My adrenals were shot that, you know, no, no real surprise given my, my stressful lifestyle. Right. Right. Um, and so that's when that really occurred. And it was several years later when we were in Nigeria, which was our post following that, mm. that, um, I got the diagnosis of Hashimoto's, mm. uh, which that often happens where you'll get something like Lyme disease. Um, and then you end up having, an autoimmune disease, disease of some sort. Right. You know, that makes sense. After that. So. so what, what, around what year was your Lyme disease diagnosis? 2017. 2017. Okay. So, I mean, it was, I guess Lyme was maybe talked about somewhat then, but not in the way that it's talked about now, right? No. People didn't necessarily know as much to look for Lyme disease. Absolutely. I think now, I mean, it's become such an epidemic in the United mm-hmm. States and really, you know, we're seeing it even more globally now um, that, there's this deeper understanding that you don't have to be in the Midwest or the Northeast to get right. Lyme disease. Right. Like you, you can get, get it anywhere. anywhere. <laughs> and it's not necessarily just, you know, ticks that are carrying it. And then all yeah. of the, um, the, the co-infections that come with mm-hmm. that, you know, mm-hmm. they often, they don't travel alone. So there's just so much more literature and education and understanding about the, the, really the breadth and depth of Lyme disease now. But mm-hmm. back then I, it was like kind of the wild west, you know, yeah. even though it wasn't even a decade ago. Right, right. But, you know, just with medical advances. So, you know, I, I was able to see, to see her, but um, we were moving to Texas. So mm-hmm. I only had like this very small window of time with her. And then I was going to Texas and my medical care there wasn't nearly as robust. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... It was a real struggle. Um, And with my readers, we'll see in that Texas chapter, it it is a a huge struggle for me Mm, in those, those, mm -hmm. those years. Mm -hmm. And um, so then, you know, we had, we were going back overseas um, to, 
kind of got ahead of myself, but you know, with the Lyme diagnosis, then I went to to Texas and then Nigeria. And I struggled because I was so far away from my my healthcare team. You know, yeah. was, you know, how do I get better? Um Lagos is known for its, you know, very bad air quality. Yeah. Me at all. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, there were just so many environmental factors there. While I liked, really liked living there actually, it was it was not helpful to my mm-hmm. health in that that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, you know, I just, I had come home for, for a Christmas break during, uh, when we lived in Nigeria and that's when I got that Hashimoto's diagnosis mm-hmm. and, um, went back to Lagos and I thought I'm going to starve to death. I'm literally, mm-hmm. I don't know what because, I'm going to do. Because they said you can only eat like certain things. Free, right. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you need to be gluten-free and mm-hmm. you need to do a diet where you're eliminating things for X amount of time and then bringing them back in. And so you can find your triggers, which is so true. Right. Absolutely. Like yeah. what you need to do. But I was like, I don't know. How Not an option there. This, <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so thankfully, because we are diplomats overseas, we have access to mail. So that did make things much easier mm. and that, you know, some expats don't have that access mm-hmm. to US mail. So right. I wanted to be clear that like, I actually did have access yeah. to things. It just took like five to six weeks sometimes to, to get, get there. Stuff, right. Yeah. yeah. But we had an amazing helper, Gladys, and she, she would try help me with cooking foods and, and really trying to figure out like local things mm. that, um, you know, maybe we could use mm-hmm. in place of to make flour and stuff like that. So she, you know, tiger nut, things that are really, yeah. um, grown on the African continent. And right. so, um, it, that was so helpful. And she was also like, so while there were like so many environmental things that weren't good for me in, in Nigeria, um, that's where I was able to really start resting. I had mm. someone who helped me all the time, like mm-hmm. Gladys. And so mm-hmm. like, she would help me with the kids and she would say, go take a nap. She was there to cook food for me, to make bone broth, to really, she was really involved in helping me get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that I would have without her. Without honestly. Her. You know? Can I ask what, um, how she reacted to, cause I can imagine, you know, Americans, especially now that we're so kind of knowledgeable but also tied into food sensitivities and things like that like going over there and talking about this with her initially was she like are you crazy or was she just <laughs> it's such an american thing yeah right? really. totally yeah um and then i'm just like so we're not gonna have any dairy for now we're not gonna have any soy we're not gonna have any wheat for sure no gluten you know and she's just like what (laughs) but then she she was like okay I don't understand but she really wanted to know so like together we learned Mm -hmm. you know yeah um and I was giving classes on women's health and stuff like that there too so I was you know kind of already in this um I was, that's where I was kind of changing my whole actually mm. career mm-hmm. during this time. So it was funny. I, she was, we really learned a lot together. together. Well, and you know, you and I talk about this a lot and I know this is an underlying part of your book too, the power of community. Right. And mm-hmm. like you were just saying, you know, I mean, this woman became part of your community to help Absolutely. support you in this you know, involvement and this working on your health. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think about people that, you know, 
aren't living either in a foreign country or here that are not, you know, not able to necessarily access somebody to help them like that. Do you have other strategies? Well, just do what you can, right? Mm -hmm. Because here I don't have that, Mm -hmm. you know, that was, Mm -hmm. it's a real luxury of being, you know, overseas often. And, Mm -hmm. um, I try not to, to get, to beat myself up when things, not all the things get done, right? Because mm-hmm. taking care of yourself and like, I always say sleeping comes above all other things. Yeah. Yep. Even working out. Yep. You know, Absolutely. you must sleep yep. for your health. Yep. <laughs> and so I think it's maybe, you know, dividing things up in smaller things. So mm-hmm. like you're, I, I do laundry on X, Y, and Z days and I try to clean on these days, you know, so it's not like all piling up or whatever. If you have the uh, opportunity to have someone come in and, and help you, if you mm-hmm. have access to that, I definitely, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and it can be really hard with family, yeah. you know? And so when you have small kids, that's not, people are being like, what are you talking about, Ashley? And I get it. Like, yeah. it's, it's very, very hard, but, um, you know, if you have a partner and just being really open with that mm-hmm. too, I think mm-hmm. so that people it's hard when you have an invisible illness for people to understand what you're going through and what yeah. your needs are, unless you tell people. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I can imagine too, that your book might be really good actually for some spouses or partners yeah. of people with chronic illness to read. Right. right. Because yeah. I've heard this story again and again, where, you know, more women suffer from chronic illness than men, Um, you know, and that's for a variety of reasons. We don't need to go into all of those right now, but um, it can be hard, I think, you know, if you are in a straight relationship um, and I'm just speaking to that right now, it can be true in other relationships too, but for a man to maybe understand that when he's never experienced, you know, his body just doesn't show up in that way. The The illness doesn't happen in that same form or fashion. And so having a touchstone for people to really start to understand, and then it's not just them being hypochondriacs or just them being lazy or whatever else. And also, you know, and I think this speaks to what you talked about connecting with this woman, um, this doctor in Seattle, and then eventually the doctor that you work with now, how yeah. important it is to find a good practitioner to be on your team too right yeah I mean that has been huge um my initial Lyme doctor I mean I wouldn't be where I was without her likely but that's also where I I met Dr. Fox Mm -hmm. who I now work with and he you people will get familiar with him in the book um but we he he intros the book right he is yes he Mm -hmm. wrote the foreword to the Mm -hmm. book um and you know what started as um you know, I was actually really nervous to work with him because I already had this relationship mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. What? And then he walked in the door. We started talking. We had very shared, some very similar shared experiences mm-hmm. and really vibed over one of our favorite books. And I thought, okay, things are going to be okay. And, um, he helped me find my healing belief mm. really, truly. I think that if you have a practitioner that's there and, and, and just listens to you and he, you know, he doesn't have the same health issues. It doesn't mm-hmm. even have to be that. Right. Mm-hmm. But just mm-hmm. having that empathy and that sympathy and that listening ear and, and that ability to help you see the gains you are making mm-hmm. those small, those yep. very small steps, because so often when we're healing, we're taking two steps 
forward and 17 steps backwards. Yep. And you yep. get really in your head about that. Yeah. You know? And so Absolutely. I think that having that cheerleader yeah. um, by your side can be very beneficial. And it was, yeah. it was on this trip I took home by myself because I was not doing well. I went back to the Seattle area and I spent mm-hmm. a month there just getting treatments. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was intense and it was hard and it yeah. was, you know, a lot, but that's where I it really changed the, the dynamic I had with my own illness. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's an important point. And I want to just say here, I know that both you and I know that not everyone can take a month to get treatments, right? It's not accessible to everyone. So, you know, first and foremost, just saying that. And I also think that um, a lot of women will continue to put their kids, their partner, their work or whatever ahead of themselves. And that we each can find pockets of Mm -hmm. taking care of ourselves, even if it's not a full month, you know, what have you, but like, That in order to heal, you have to do that, right? You yeah. have to start to put yourself first, at least part of the time, right? Because Absolutely. most most of the time, especially with chronic illness, you're not, but you're, I mean, your body may be forcing you to more than, you know, um, more than you'd like. But in actuality, I think so many women still just push past a lot of stuff in order to keep taking care of others. Oh, yeah. And I am a hundred thousand percent that person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to push through and keep yeah. going. That's something I really have to work on all the time because mm-hmm. it's not in my nature to be asking for help mm-hmm. um, or to admit that I need something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I remember we really, I really talked about it with my, my husband, Craig, you know, should I go back, do this? You know, I didn't want to be away, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, but the opportunity presented itself and, and I was lucky enough to be able to do that. And where and were you guys out. living at the time? We're in Nigeria. In Nigeria. Okay. So I flew to, to Seattle and, you know, was really gone for that, that month. Mm-hmm. And again, it was something that I'm very aware of was, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not available for everybody, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I, that's where Dr. Fox and I really, you know, really started to have that partnership where I knew that he always had my best interest in Mm -hmm. mind. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people don't feel like that with their doctor. Like Mm -hmm. it's just another person that's cycling through Mm -hmm. the office and as they're seeing, you know, 70 people a day, 40 Mm -hmm. people a day, whatever it is. And so, you know, we continue, I continued to see him, but I was always, always sporadic. I never had that opportunity to go back and just reside in the same place that my medical provider lives. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's always haphazard yeah. in like creating something, a protocol or doing something. Yeah. And I think that maybe it took longer to get better because of that. But that's um, also life. But that's just life. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's true for a lot of people, even if it isn't that they're moving to different places overseas, but things come up, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, I know you see that with your clients all the time. I see it with my clients all the time. Yeah. Anything from holidays to somebody else in the family getting sick to right. work. I mean, there's a million things, right? And so I think absolutely like a remain kind to yourself in the process, right? And yeah. not try for the perfection. And then certainly, you know, having that cheerleader, that that practitioner that you really trust and believe in and is there supporting you is just mm-hmm. is key in that process. So yeah. can you talk a little bit more about what um model that you and Dr. Fox ended up creating? 
Sure. So really based on my experience in getting better from, you know, Lyme and we've put my Hashimoto's pretty much in remission as is when you're looking at like test numbers mm-hmm. and how I feel overall. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we created something called the doctor coach bottle and we've had, you know, we've been growing this for a year and a half, two mm-hmm. years now, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and, and really refining it, but we find that when people come in and they, they work with Dr. Fox as, as the doctor, but then mm-hmm. me as the, the functional medicine coach and practitioner that we have much bigger gains mm-hmm. with our, with our patients getting better and staying better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because they can see him and do the things that I'm not able to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I can't prescribe or anything, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. So he can take you know, that part of it. And then I'm there really in that cheerleader mm-hmm. sort of, uh, it's more than that, but really being there side by side with that person as they walk yep. through their own healing journey yep. and getting better. And, and it really requires a lot of handholding. And that's something that's hard for people to want to give into, right? Yeah. Like, yep. and, and really understand how important that is. So, you know, they, they'll see him for X amount of visits and they see me for a certain amount of visits. And he and I talk every every day almost about, mm-hmm. you know, different patients. Um, and we, we really work their, their, their process together and, and, and finding what is working for them and, and not because no two things work for the same people, right. you know, we, we wish, but exact same, <laughs> you and I could both have Hashimoto's and how we're getting better from it is, is different. I mean, the ba- the basics for Hashimoto's are the same, but like, right. There are elements that we each of us carry that are, are unique. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've really seen really good success um, working with this model and people f- want to feel cared for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like there's a community. So we're already their community, right? Mm-hmm. They have these two people who are right there with them. That's a very concierge approach. It's mm-hmm. not like they don't talk to me. I, I talk to many of our patients multiple times a week, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, um, yep. when they need something, we're there. And I think that that's a really beautiful thing for people to get because it's something that they don't often get at yeah. least in the U S healthcare system. Right. And I mean, you know, it, it, it's funny. Cause I used to be one of those people that were like, "Ugh, doctors, they just like push you through, but then you get into this field and you recognize that, I mean, that's the doctors only have so much time and space. So even if they're doing functional medicine where they see you for an hour versus, uh, you know, allopathic medicine where they see you for 15 minutes, because that's what the insurance allows, they still aren't going to be able to be there outside of that hour, like right. answering emails. Yeah. I mean, to some extent a little bit, but like to really have that supportive, um, place it's just that there's not necessarily a space for them and that's really where the coach comes in right and the yeah yeah and and so I think that's why it's such a a beautiful thing because we can't expect just like anything we can't expect everything from one person so this sets it up to be more of a community kind of Mm -hmm. setting rather than just like oh why isn't my doctor getting back to me or why you know this and this and that which are valid complaints but absolutely the doctors can't do it all they just can't, no, you know, they only have a, as many hours in the day as you or I right, do. Right. right? And, and they still have to have a life outside of, you know, their practice too. Yeah. 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 So we've, we found that it really, you know, it's, it's working well and we're very excited about it and mm-hmm. bringing more people into it. And we see a lot of people with complex chronic illness and, and everybody needs a community, but I feel like people who are, have complex illness, uh, really, really need that. 
hundred percent. So I have to ask you, what yeah. are some of the biggest lessons that you learned from writing this book? <laughs> the hard one, <laughs> put you in the hot seat. <laughs> I should have known. Um, <laughs> that I still have to work on my own health all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that my natural instinct is to push myself to the edge all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did this with this book and it's something that I've really learned Um if I write another book that I'm going to have to be a little bit more careful with my health, you know, Mm -hmm. I knew the things to do to, Mm -hmm. to keep it going, but it's not really good to push yourself to that point where Mm -hmm. you're having to like do those types of things, Mm -hmm. right. Where you're just really relying on hopefully, you know, your supplement regime Mm -hmm. uh, regimen and all this are are working. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, to be kinder to myself. Um, I think what came out a lot was, community I just when Mm. I wrote the book when I started on it and you've you've seen me through this process and it's something Mm -hmm. I've I've talked about a lot is I don't know where I would be without the people that have surrounded me Mm -hmm. through the last decade Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's it's my mom and dad and my brother my best friend people that I've met at each post who have been lifelong friends who Mm -hmm. who have been there for me in moments that I needed them or just those communities that like we had some really scary situations happen in, in multiple places and those pe- our people rallied around us mm. and it made it much less lonely and, mm-hmm. and scary when you mm-hmm. have that. So I think even if you're not moving all the time, having a community is so, so very important. Key. It's key to healing. It's key to, um, I think evolving and, you know, coming back to yourself again and again too, right? Because you learn so much in the processes of the relationships too. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's definitely been a journey. I learned a lot about myself. Yeah. Yep. Um, I know. And just when you write things down on paper, you see things in a, just a totally different light than you might mm-hmm. have in just your memories. Yeah. Um, and so it, it was a really beautiful process and very cathartic for me in many mm-hmm. ways and, mm-hmm. and difficult to live um, some of these very hard times that mm. I either whether it's sickness or, or some illness with, with my daughter that was very scary or Craig mm-hmm. situation in Syria. Like there's just um, there's so much it was it was to write those over and over again was hard, but it was good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And probably another layer of healing too, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I, I think what's really important about this book too is giving hope to those with chronic illness, right? With everything that you went through in multiple parts of the world, right? And so, yeah. you know, even though there were some pros to that and some bonuses to that, there was also absolutely. a lot of cons or hardships in healing because of that too, you know, and the fact that you were able to overcome and get to a place where chronic illness doesn't rule your life. I mean, of course, y'all, as you just said, it's like, we always have to take care of our bodies. It's not like you get over the chronic illness and you're like, I'm free. Right. Like It's yeah. with you for your life, you know, but you have to be aware, but you know, the, the fact that you came to a place where you um, you know, are able to feel good and live your life and do momentous things yeah. like writing this book, you know, it's, it's a big deal. Yeah. I think it was a testament to healing to be yeah. able to sit down and write this book. Yes. Um, 
and that's what I really hope is to is to you know inspire and and provide hope to people you know yep. that there is a light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. um you know and and everybody's journey looks different but there is the light you there know is. yeah absolutely so let everyone know how they can get the book it is now available on Amazon. Oh, so you, can buy, you can buy the paperback. I have a copy here. There it is. Um, yes. And you can uh, get that now on Amazon. You can get the, the paperback is available. If you want to wait for the Kindle version, uh, that will be released at the end of November, November 29th. Um, in the meantime, if you want to learn more and you're like, I'm not ready to buy the book, but I want to know a little bit about the story, you can go to passportsandparasites.com and download the first chapter. Oh, that's so cool that you're giving everyone access to the first chapter. And yeah. I recommend buying the paperback personally. I mean, I was telling you this earlier, but for you know other people listening, um, I just, we're on the computer so much, like, mm-hmm. and we're on our devices so much, like, Give yourself the joy of having a paperback that you can like read in bed before you go to sleep or that you can take outside. You know, if it's wintertime, you can just sit in front of the fire and read your book. You know, it's Absolutely. just, it's, you know, it's screens. <laughs> good reprieve from the screens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Take care of your health in that way. Right. I'm a big yeah, fan of reading actual books for your health. So me too. Yeah. And, and I hope that people will love it. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm getting great feedback on it and I, yep. I think it's, a, it's a big book, but I think it's a, it's a fast yeah. read for a lot of people. And if you buy the paperback, it has pictures in it. So which you don't get with any of the other versions. Yeah. The other yeah. Versions. Yeah. Uh, just cause the Kindle doesn't really work well with pictures so much. Right. So, um, yeah. So yeah, I would love to have along on my journey with me <laughs> have you thought about doing an audiobook at some point I am doing an audiobook mm. um that is like actually on my list of things to do this week to start getting that set up mm-hmm. um so you know people drive they're not always necessarily mm-hmm. or walking or walking whatever, right? hiking yeah you know, all hiking this, yeah. and you want to listen mm-hmm. um and it is a it's a it's a very fast moving if you're looking for adventure and healing mm-hmm. and community and all of that you know I think mm-hmm. it you'll find that it's it's a great book for that um, so hopefully the audiobook will be out soon. soon. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll definitely have a link in the show notes to the Amazon, um, pl- the place on Amazon that you can order it. And then yeah. I would just say to everybody, after you read it, leave a nice review. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> reviews are very, very helpful. And you can also yeah. re- leave a review for this podcast while you're at it. <laughs> it's super helpful for all of us. Yes, for all of uh, us. <laughs> exactly. So Well, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing this amazing story and book with us today. Thanks for having me, Christine. It's such a joy to be here with you. Yeah. And I'm super excited for everybody to be able to access this book and learn so much from it and enjoy it at the same time too, right? Yes, that's my hope. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right, you guys, I will see you next time. 